Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into the Baird Inn. I'm Matt Workman. As always, I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. We're recording on a Monday instead of a Sunday this week because I was still so tired um, from staying up super late on Saturday night that I just didn't have it in me to record last night. And Matt, you're super cool for saying let's record on Monday instead. Oh yeah, I was I was down with it. I had a it was a rough, exhausting week for me as well. From you're moved in now though, right? You like have a house of I your have own a place. Um, don't quite yet have a living room furniture, but we have beds. Okay, that's a plus. You have internet, I assume. You have internet. You're talking yes. to me right now. Yes, we do have internet. So that's like the first thing that I made sure. Because you can't really live life. Especially with two like teenagers without internet. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine if you went into a situation where your daughters did not have internet, that might just be your own personal hell. Yeah. And, you know, like the school she's in, they give them an iPad. They don't have any books and no lockers. Everything's done on app. So it's like you, I kind of have to have it for like homework. Oh, okay. That's something I will learn about. My son is nowhere near having to do homework yet, but we'll get there someday. And it probably won't be tablets. It'll be like, they'll have some kind of watch that hologram projects something. Holodeck they can get on or like R2D2 or something like that. Elon Musk will have sound, like sold his uh, his neuro thing, and they want you won't even go to school anymore. I'll just plug it in and learn everything you need to know. For sure, man. If I'm alive for that, I'm gonna be so mad. Oh yeah, I'll be like, I'm, I'll still be trying to use my like 21st century uh, technology. Like you know, people like you see now, like older people like to have like flip phones. Like that's gonna be me. Cool. You, I, growing up in the era that we have, you're you're a little bit older than me. I mean, you're 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 years, like years older than years, me. Ten years, ten years, probably. You're you're yeah, you're close to ten years. I think it's like eight. But yeah, but you and I both w- were actively cognizant. Like I was, 
I want to say it was probably 12 or 13 before we got internet at our house. I'm sure you were, you were much older than that before you got internet for the first time. Um, Oh yeah. I was like 20. Yeah. So like I was like 12 or 13, but I still grew up in like a significant portion of time, like pre major technology, not enough to where I can like post Facebook memes where it's like, we used to go out until the, the street lights came on kind of stuff. But um, I have watched my parents go from people that were like super tech savvy when I was a kid, because all of this new stuff was coming out. They were getting it, setting it up for me to be able to use that kind of stuff, whether it was TVs or computers. And I've watched them like morph into people that just have like no technical literacy whatsoever. Is that yeah. going to happen to you? Like, do you think you're going to be one of those I, people I where. don't think so. Just because of my children, I kind of have to be up on technology for them because I'm the, and also I spent a large portion of my professional right, that's life. That's for your in, kids though. But like when they're out of the house, what about then? Like when you're, I don't know, I'm kind of like a tech guy. Matt going to be using like augmented reality glasses. I don't know about that. Like I, it's hard for me because I don't know what's going to come down the pipe. I wouldn't have said I would have an iPhone probably if you would have asked me when they came out. I don't know. I don't need that. But now, but I've kind of evolved into, I enjoy technology and everything about it. And I've kind of everything like you're talking about how you were, how you grew up. Like we had, we didn't have internet in my high school till I was probably a junior in high school. And we had a computer that you could, for every student, like one computer for the whole high school to do like research on. Mm. Mm. And so like, I've kind of come along with technology from internet to cell phones to streaming and everything we got going on right See, now we had we had a computer room in my high school so like there was there was it was there was a it was where you took computer class but like yeah, our we had my classes were still all uh overhead projectors yeah we had that but that was there's no internet that was like here's word processors basically gotcha okay you can learn Typing how class. and it's like the operating system is like dos <laughs> yeah we were rocking on i i want to say we were probably windows me which would of course it was windows me but so it's like so as i've gotten older i've kind of like aged with technology so it's not new so much as i can imagine someone like my parents age who majority of their life they they had no need for it excellent so but All right, man. Well, what, what happened in sports this week? What are we, what are we talking about today? What do, we, so, what, do we, what do we got? I thought we'd just jump right into the uh, the Baylor game. Let's just go ahead and, you know, rip the band Just get off. it out of the way. About, Let's yeah. eat our vegetables real quick. Just get it over. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, we lost 26 to 20 in double overtime. The game ended, what, about 1.30 in the morning, close to 2 o'clock um, central time. Not not the not the most fun fun game that we've experienced over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, to be that to kick off that late and to go into you know like overtime, it's already late. And then to lose. It's just those are just it's just it's bad all around. When I worked, um, I used to work for a minor league hockey team and I would have to work at the games. So I worked in the front office, but it's a minor league team. So you do like other stuff too. So like I had to work um, 
like I would sell group tickets and stuff and you had to go like schmooze and talk to your groups that would come and talk to sponsors that we had and stuff. So I had to work all the games and they would always, they would start at about seven and then go for two and a half hours. And we would sit there in the third period. I would be like standing down where the players like enter and exit by the ice. And I would just stand there with my coworkers. If it was tied in the third period or, or if we were down in the third period, we'd be like, just lose for the love of God, just lose. Do not tie this game up. Like we, we don't want to be here. Uh, I wasn't there because I care about Baylor much more than about the minor league hockey team than I worked for. But when, when we went into overtime, I was like, of course, of course we're going into overtime for the 9 p.m. kick. Yeah, I mean I had and I was I, I was out of energy by then, just completely gassed. Yeah. So I you made were, like critical errors the whole day. Well, I will say this, I was doing a lot of stuff moving wise during the day before college football. I watched the Texas game with some buddies. And then I was kind of just going all over the place Saturday. So then by the time 915 gets gets here, like I'm already wiped at kickoff. I'm I'm struggling at kickoff. I was like, okay, I'm gonna make this through. But then I watched the first half and then I, I made the decision. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go lay down. I watch it uh on my phone in bed. And then I don't know how long I lasted. I don't think I made it through halftime before I was asleep. Woke up and it was tied at 20. And I was like, well, I was half groggy. I was like, you know what? I'll ca- I'm going to get up early. I'll catch this in the morning. And that's what I did. But like you said earlier, off before recording is like, that was really, uh, didn't even need to at that point. Yeah, didn't even need to watch it at that point. Um, I, I don't want to get into like too much other specifics. We lost 26 to 20. I think um, based off of the, the press conferences that, uh, happened today with Dave Aranda. Um, it does seem like the the visiting crowd um, had a big, big, big part of this game. Aranda said the guy's eyes were kind of big, and it seemed like um, they were probably intimidated by the moment. Um, he used a lot of language uh, that basically sounded like he felt the team was distracted and not focused. I think we saw that in terms of the number of penalties that we committed. I mean, God, that at the end of the, if you asked me the number one thing that I thought caused us to lose this game, I would say the penalties, um, even more than the kicking game, even more than, um, the really poor passing game that we saw. Um, I think, yeah, uh, I think it was penalty, a lack of focus. A penalty took a, a score off the board. Yeah. It would have won the game. Kicking a was penalty bad. left them, let, let them stay on the field and score points. Yeah. And also, a penalty I mean, lost to still bad because, like, if you make that first touchdown, extra point, like you win a regulation twenty-one twenty. Yeah, I mean, uh, the math says that. Not, I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows what would have happened? But, but yeah, you you are correct in theory. I also I also was was live tweeting from the Our Daily Bears Twitter account um, during the game, and for that one, before we kicked the extra point, I tweeted Baylor is up seven to three. And then we subsequently missed the extra point and we're up six to three. And so that was, that was fun. Really, so, really, really love doing that. So it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I said today um, that I know it's not my fault, but yeah, <laughs> I, I know it's my fault. Um, that sucked, but 
Um, one of the, I will say one really, really cool thing from Saturday night was with ODB. We did our, uh, our first watch party. We used, a uh, an application called playback that Deontay Epps found. And it's just like this free app where you can log in with your TV provider and come on, uh, and watch the game while, uh, we kind of like talk and, and project our video over it. It's kind of like sports Twitch. Um, and it was really fun especially throughout the night we had we had like uh, 50 plus people in there for the whole game. Um, and we had uh, a handful of folks that came up on quote unquote stage um, to kind of throw their video on and, and talk. You know, we had um, Deontay's wife, Karina, Etta came up on one point. Peter was up yeah. for most of the game. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun to experience the game in that way and kind of commiserate with people. So is um, that going to be like a something where we'll, y'all will try yeah, I think we'll have it for every game this year now. For all um, the, I think the every game or like the away games. Uh, well, we do have like Cody Orr and Deontay. Neither of them uh, live in Texas, so okay, okay. Even if like I am away uh, or like me and Peter are at the games or something, I think Cody and Deontay can still run it. Um, okay. So we've we've got we've got enough people at ODB that we could probably always have somebody on there. Yeah, I woke up the next morning. I got that text from you that from like eleven forty that said. Come I was like, on, yeah, where are you? And we'll, we'll get you on. I was like, no, I was like, I was dead asleep when I heard you sent that text message. <laughs> I was trying to get Cyclone Larry there, but he was too drunk to figure out how to work it. So um, celebrating their, their victory over Iowa. It's pretty, pretty on brand though for him. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty on brand for Larry. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of variables in this game. Um, one, it's the second game of the year. Two, like we joke about body clock, but I mean, it's a legitimate thing. Like that was late. Like I well, was not just so body tired. clock. You talk about like, you know, and the, altitude. Yeah. Oxygen. Yeah. Oxygen. That, and I can't imagine how tired those guys probably were after that game. Um, but the other part of this, and, and it's kind of the key thing I do, do want to talk about coming out of this game is that I think as a fan base and, and I'm included in this, like I do this too. Um, we got really excited about Blake Shapin because he he won the job. And so then that inherently means that for whatever reason, he is better than Gary Bohannon, the person that we had before. And so we kind of ignored all of the messaging that was out there that like this was a really tight QB battle. And it wasn't like somebody was so blatantly better than the other person. Um you know, it was tight. It was close. Gary had, you know, Gary had just as good a chance to win this job as Blake did. Um, Blake ends up winning, Gary leaves, and we've spent the last, you know, however many months, like five months or so, kind of crowning Blake Shapin as the next great quarterback. Yeah. Um, because we thought he had certain skills that were that would translate into more offense for us. Uh, and we've covered that at length. Um, but then there was it this could sentiment. Still, it could still, yeah. Yeah, there was this sentiment after the first USF game of the year that it was like, man, like Gary still isn't that good. And I, and like, we kind of went back and I'm included in this too. Like I've gone back and I've watched games from last year and I'm like, man, like I, I remember us talking about how we always thought Gary was going to take the next step and he just never did. Um, but we, you know, after we lose Gary, we replaced him with Shapin. Like I said, like we kind of put him up on this pedestal and I think we forgot to realize that like he, he didn't just like outright blow Gary out of the water to win this job. So like, there's still plenty of room for, for Blake to grow. Yeah. Um, and last year, what we saw out of him, he was throwing to 
Tyquan Thornton, RJ Sneed. Like he was throwing to some of our most experienced receivers that we've ever had. Um, he had Abram Smith and he had Tristan Ebner on that offense as well. He doesn't have that stuff this year. This is all new guys. So not only is like Blake the starter, like the go-to guy with with everything to lose instead of nothing to lose for the first time in his career. Um, he's got a cast of characters around him that they have to learn and mesh and get game reps together. So running into the buzzsaw that is what is now the number 12 ranked team in the nation in the most excited game that their fan base has been in since any time they play Utah, but basically any other game of the year, they're not near as excited as this. Like that, that place was rocking. And I've seen them talk about on Twitter, like that was a special night for that fan base. Like how, how the environment and, the, and everything that was there was something that was very special. Um, and that them. says something. I think that says something about the status of, of Baylor. For, yeah. They rushed the field, you know? Yes. We, they were, you know, Baylor's number nine, you know, it's a top 10 win, but, but they've had big wins and not rushed the field before against rivals, you know, like you mentioned Utah. Um, so, yeah, this I was a prove they belong game. Yeah, that's what it is. They were trying big to prove themselves that they belong. Reigning Big 12 champion, you yeah. know, beat them down, you know, this team, same team last year in Waco and got just manhandled. So it was kind of, you're exactly right. Like we're, we're moving up to that level. You know, next year, I don't know if we'll play BYU next year because I don't know what the schedule's gonna look like, but next year, you know, they're they're you know, co Big 12, you know, mates, they're part of our conference. Yeah. So it it, it meant a lot. I think that's what another reason it meant a lot to them, because you know, even though we're playing this year, this is a, gonna be a conference game. Yeah. And it this game meant everything to them. So as your second game of the year, as the second game ever where you have a brand new offensive skill group out there that's never played together really before and any meaningful amount of reps in live game where you've only come off a game against Albany. Like, let's be honest, Albany really like it was a tune up game there. Maybe there were some worse teams you could have played out there, but that's there's not Albany didn't really challenge you in any way. And we talked about how vanilla we played. And so this was the first time that we asked Blake Shapin and, you know, Quaylen Jones and Tay McWilliams, who I hope gets better. Monterey Baldwin, who I hope gets better. Both those guys got hurt. That's another factor. But it's the first time that these guys all together were on the field being the guys um, against a real football team. And you add that environment in there. I think that that's plenty of news right there for the reason why the sky isn't falling. Like, I think this team is still going to be very good this year. Yeah, Um, I do too. You know, I know I picked them to go undefeated uh, on the podcast. That was, you know, very much, very much me being a homer. Um, I legitimately think like this, this team's window is probably between eight and four and 10 and two. Um, And, you know, like if the wheels really fall off, it's a seven and five team, but eight and four, 10 and two, that's a good year. I think right now you'd have to look at it. I mean, you can still, I know it's out of, it's, it's a steep hill to climb, but you, you could still finish up with one loss just looking at the you i know could, the schedule it's tough. just it's i just feasible. don't see us going through the my only reasoning is i don't see us going through the conference road slate that we have left um going undefeated because guess what like texas tech looks much better than i thought they were going to look um i still maybe houston's not as good as we thought that's possible but i'm just talking about watching texas tech yeah. they look better than i thought they would look 
Kansas looks much better than I thought they would. Look. Kansas but, looks much better. But I mean, we're still kind of on this BYU game here. But yeah. um, I, I said I say all that to say this: like there is, I think, light at the end of the tunnel, and we we were right there to win this game. Like we we had every opportunity as bad as as we played in a lot of areas um and as much as BYU dominated us um in certain aspects of the game and as many like self-inflicted mistakes that we made throughout this game with the penalties we were still right there to win this game in multiple ways yeah yeah he mentioned um, it like we had 14 penalties for 100 something yards of penalty yardage yeah, and we, we missed were still a, we missed right there to win two this kicks game. two kicks decided this game for us too yeah. um so i think but at the end of the day one and it's never good to lose. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, there's this moral victory to losing." Like losing sucks. I don't ever want to lose. But yeah. one of the one of the benefits that comes out of losing, if there is one, is that most of the time you don't ignore what went wrong. Um, and if if we had been two and zero, oh, I think there would there may have been an opportunity to sneak in to be like, "Who? Well, you know, we didn't play great, but we can still pull out the wins. That's how good we are." Um, whereas in this, you see Aranda talking about how they're like really investigating things. And, um, I think this is one of those moments where like, okay, we got punched in the mouth. Let's, let's look at what we need to do. We cannot rest on the things that we re- like, you know, we're not last year's team. Uh, we have to come out here and make our own identity and we have to come out here and, and play better than this and stay focused and just let's get our minds right, go out and beat up on Texas state. And I, that's what I think. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen with this team and staff. So, yeah, and I think in the long run, I mean, again, I don't believe in like moral victories, but in the long run, this game could be beneficial as far as going on a road in a hostile environment and having that experience when you have to go to Morgantown, when you have to go to Lubbock, when you're going to be in those types of environments again, to have that experience under your belt is going to serve you well later on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that's what losing does for some teams is it kind of gives you a wake up call. I would have preferred it be what Alabama went through. Yeah. Let's look, we can go ahead and transition into the rest of the big 12 from week two. Um, Like I would have rather one by one point and have everybody talking crap about me and not being as good as they expected, but still have won the game. Texas has uh, lost the game and was unranked and uh, moved into the top 25. You know what? I will say this. <laughs> they, I told you, I, if you remember, I reminded you last week of the 2019 LSU game and how even though that 2019 Texas team was not good, they took one of the best college football teams of all time to the wire. And Texas gets up for these games, man. They they just do. I think, I think there's apathy when they're not playing everybody else that is in Alabama or who they think is in their status as being Texas kind of kind of makes me wonder if they'll be like really good in the SEC just because they'll get pumped about who they're playing more maybe um but or or like Vanderbilt's gonna have a great record against Texas (laughs) yeah Vandy will have an amazing record Vandy Vandy like Ole Miss Arkansas they're gonna just Mississippi State will be undefeated against Texas yeah um but they will kick the crap out of AM and Alabama and LSU every year. Um, but man, Texas, when you just look at their talent that they have, Texas is really good. And the problem has always been the, or always this kind of this past decade, it has been the culture, the preparation, the development, the coaching 
the and the you know just the overall culture of the program that has been Texas's problem. Um, and that was kind of like, can Sark fix that? And can he be a good enough coach on the field as well? There's like the two things you have to manage at Texas. Um, and this this game right here, it kind of showed you how good they are when you do put it all together and how dangerous they really are as a team. Yeah, for sure. Um, I watched most of that game. And you could, you're absolutely right. They were, they were super, super psyched and pumped up. And ready to play Alabama. They weren't scared of them. Crowd was into it. It was um, I mean, I will say this like before Ewers goes down, like he was slinging it. He was, and Xavier Worthy was a monster. Yeah, and he was getting open deep and with separation. And you don't know what happens, you know, but I think that had he not got hurt. I mean, they could have definitely won that game. Well, they could have won the game without him, but yeah, they could have won the game. If the way they had, he was playing, I mean, the referees like, had screwed him over on a safety call. Yeah, because like if the way he was throwing the football, like they could have won that, like like going away. I I agree. I think I think the other thing I noticed about this game was that Alabama is going to be in some serious trouble this year if their wide receivers don't figure it out. Because that's what I've heard. Like. Bryce uh, Young. Others, yeah. I've seen Bryce Young get some some criticism, but man, every time they would show kind of like the floating above field camera that gave you kind of the QB style view. Yeah. I'm sitting there and number one, Bryce Young's got a guy getting there in two seconds every play. They couldn't block Texas. Yeah. Um, and Texas was blitzing like crazy. And then the second part of it was he never had anybody open. Like he was sitting there going like, where does, where, where am I supposed to throw the football? These guys are just totally covered up. And I didn't see the, the, the thing that really surprised me watching this game. I saw a couple of replays where there just wasn't much effort from the Bama receivers. And it was very surprising watching anybody on a Nick Saban field where his players are not going hard for him. And I think they're going to watch that tape and those wide receivers are probably going to get chewed out uh, to another yeah. level. Well, they're just like uh, you know, like normal dudes. Like they weren't like normally you have these Bama receivers that are just yeah. There's no Julio Jones. There's no Devontae Smith. Like there's no Jalen Waddle. There's no Henry Ruggs or you know guys like that that have come through that program who are just so much. They're just so elite, elite athletes that they're just running wide open twenty yards down the field. I don't. And you I don't, just don't have that. I. Alab- that's you know what's crazy is I feel like Alabama is legitimately for Alabama's sake is legitimately vul- vulnerable this year, and Texas A and M sucks. <laughs> like if there was ever a year for Texas A and M to find a way and to LSU, sneak in and, and sneak in and win the West, rebuilding, you know, yeah, LSU's not good. Alabama looks vulnerable. If you were good enough, like you'd be, it was, ba- it would basically be you versus Arkansas. Like you could have a situation where you're fighting Arkansas for the West. Maybe, maybe Ole Miss could, could yeah, maybe. make a run but you know, with their offense, maybe. The two traditional powers of the SEC West, though, see, yeah. like are possibly both in down years, and AM oh. can't beat Appalachian State. <laughs> I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't have this podcast go without saying that. Um, yeah. All right, can we just, can we just put like a moratorium on Jimbo Fisher's like a quarterback guru? 
Like he's oh, we, don't, we, can, we can put a moratorium on whatever we want with Jimbo Fisher. He's got a 90, I think it's a, what, a $97 million buyout that they like, gave him last year. I think about that plaque that said like national championships, 20 blank, blank, 20 blank, blank. And yep. I was like, bro, you can't be Appalachia State's a good team. I don't want to take anything away from them. However, they already what, lost to North Carolina <laughs> with what you have invested into your football program. You shouldn't. It, it shouldn't should be never happen. This should never happen. No. So uh, with the recruiting classes that you get, yeah, there's no excuse and they can't fire Jimbo. They absolutely like, that's the thing. They are stuck with him for years. Not it's they, they have a lot of money and they're the, they're the school that would do something crazy, like fire a guy and pay him 70 million to leave, but they're not, they can't do it this year or next year. It's just too much money this year and next year. So they, they've got, they got the Miami rest of the season in. and all of next year. They got Miami coming in this week. Mm-hmm. They could get a little bit um, hairy in College Station for uh, Mr. Jimbo. It very, very well could. Um, it was, man, this was a good Big 12 week because we had, it did was. you watch the, the Texas Tech-Houston game? Uh, no. Okay. It was a very good game. Uh, the game. Houston took the lead, yeah. Houston took the lead late. Um, Texas Tech looked like the better football team, uh, but Tech, but Houston, Houston took the lead late. Tech was able to tie it, goes into overtime, uh, double OT, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly, maybe triple, double, um, double OT, double OT, um, and Texas Tech took it out. Very, very good game. Um, so that was that was like, excellent. Go Red Raiders. Uh, Kansas State beat the absolute hell yeah. out of Missouri. Yeah, we all saw that coming. I mean, Kansas State runs the best like option offense in the country. Yeah, like sure. if that's your thing, like they, they're doing it better than anybody. Um, what I called uh, the Cyhawk last week, uh, but also has another name, El Asico. El Asico. El Asico. Iowa State finally, Matt Campbell in his sixth try brings home the Cyhawk Trophy. So congratulations to Matt. You Campbell know how Iowa, bad Iowa Iowa's State. offense is. Because presumably, if you can hold someone like 10 points, you should be able to win that game. Yes. But you couldn't muster more than – they can't score more than seven points, no matter no, how they get it. They can't. So here, here's what's interesting, Matt. Um, Big Game Boomer on Twitter had, had a fun graphic today, and it was these are the schools that have more touchdowns this year than Iowa. And it was literally every other school every not school. named Iowa. I played this game had 63 in their one game. So they've they have scored one touchdown this season, and it was in that game. Because remember, week one, they scored a field goal and two safeties. Yeah. So they've scored a total of 14 points, four of which have been scored by their defense. So their offense in the first two games of the year has scored 10 points. Good for Matt Campbell, though. Um he'll he'll parlay this into like much success in Nebraska. <laughs> Oh my God, I feel bad for Iowa State fans because they're he they're they're going to tie him to that so hard because he's Midwestern and you know he's from Ohio. He's a Midwest guy. Uh, Iowa's right there. They're gonna oh, that's gonna be what everybody's also, going to say. Also, I year. saw a lot of like, so I think more than Matt Campbell, the one that makes more sense is is Lance Leipold, just because he has like real has like Nebraska connections. 
Yeah, he coached there from 2001 to 2003, I think. Um, also has six national championships. And I, I, I talked to my one Nebraska friend today, um, and he, he said that he thinks they'll talk to Leipold after they strike out with all the big names they try. But he said they're, they're still going to absolutely try to find a big name. Um, but speaking then, of Leipold, Kansas, let's go ahead yeah. and just talk about Kansas. They, uh, they second week of the season got their uh, conference win for the year. Two and oh, one there, Matt. Right now, Kansas is in first place in the Big 12. So, yes, the I, I can't decide if West Virginia is like gonna is like really bad. I think Kansas is 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 much better than they've been ever in I rec- could, recent I, history. I put West Virginia at either eight or nine in all of the like rankings that I did this off season. I was really low and Maybe I, too optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I, that that's the truth. I, I really, I thought Kansas was going to take another year. Um, and then the other, but the other side of that was like, I also, we had like a, on our mailbag um, on ODB. One of the questions was like, uh, Who's who's like the first coach to get fired this season in the Big Twelve? And I emphatically said Neil Brown. I've, I I don't think there's any way Neil Brown makes it through the through the full yeah. season. Well, he's the only option because everyone else either just hired coaches or they have coaches who long standing coaches. Right, right. It's it's Neil Brown, and it, I I don't think there's I don't know if he's going to make it to Thanksgiving. Well, we yeah, because we talked about like. Their schedule is brutal, and we thought Kansas was like one of their wins, you know. Because oh they, yeah, they like it was going to be like dead. okay, you go to Kansas and then like okay, and you, you have get... Virginia Tech which is the next game, I think. Well, they have Towson next. Okay, the, okay, but we thought you had Pitt, Kansas, Towson, Virginia Tech. You know, you're probably you could come out of that two and two, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you better hope you come out of that. <laughs> and then what happens is they've got Towson, then they've got. It's on the, they have three of the next four on the road. They go to yeah. Virginia Tech, to Texas. Then they have us at home. So their one home game is us. And then at Texas Tech. And Lubbock is going to be rocking. So you think about, you're talking about him being fired. It's like Nebraska kind of, you know, escalated this because now if you do want to make a change at coach, you, you have to do it because. They're you're already compete, you're competing with someone for yeah. all the candidates that you may want to hire, and which I think there may be a little bit some crossover with uh, candidates that Nebraska and West Virginia would go after. A little. Bit. I am predicting, and this is this is so this is so messed up that I'm going to do this um, because this is a human being who has a job, but he makes a lot of money doing the job. It's a public job, and he will. He's been a head coach in D1. He will get a new job um, somewhere very quickly. But I don't think Neil Brown makes it. I don't think he makes it past the Texas Tech game. So I think, I think they'll beat Towson, and then I think they're going to lose one, two, three, four more games in a row, and that will put them at one and six, and with their only win being against Towson. And I think he gets fired then. Oh yeah, I mean I think again he's going to get paid well to not coach, so he'll right. Be he's going to get a lot of money, and he's been paid millions for. He's this is what his fifth year. Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. So don't feel bad for him. Um, he can buy another a beach house somewhere. He'll be fine. Um, 
but yeah, if they're one in six, the administration, president, AD, whoever, they uh, they kind of have to just because the the economy and of college football with transfer portal, NIL, you can't afford to not get out there and in early signing period, all those things. You have to have a coach in place like by December. If you're going to make a change, you have to make that change. Yeah, I think I think unfortunately for Neil Brown, I think he's a I don't think he makes it past December or October 22nd. I think that's my date. I think that's I think that's the last game he coaches. Sure. There's some type of like West Virginia. Like a bet you can make on that somewhere. (laughs) I'm sure there is. You can bet on anything. Um. And then finally, the last Big 12 game of, of week two is really of no consequences as TCU dominated Tarleton State. Yeah, I mean, there are some games like that. I mean, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma um, and Kent State. I don't even know if we mentioned that. Neither yeah. of those games, those were the two bad games of the week, as we mentioned last week when we did our predictions. So Yeah, and so like, and Oklahoma just did what they had to do to get out of there. It was like 33 to 3. So, yeah. I mean, they weren't even really, they got up and then they just like stopped. So last week, we had what was a like a really really good almost complete top to bottom week of very good games. Yeah, this week it's a little bit more average to below average. Yeah, just look. I'm I'm taking a look at it right now. So this is the first time I've looked at it live on the podcast. <laughs> um, we have a couple of good games. Don't worry. The reason Matt isn't prepared is because he's the one that comes up with the talking points. So after he's yeah. done coming up with what we're going to talk about, he has no energy to look things up. You know, like I'm better just on the fly anyway. Yeah. Know? Like off the cuff. Yeah. Let's do this. So this let's start a- from the top. Big noon. We're Saturday. professionals. We don't need to prepare. Big noon Saturday. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to start with the big one. All right. I like yeah. It. Let's start with the top. Um, Oklahoma welcomes in or no, they travel to Norman. No, it's uh, uh, Lincoln. Lincoln, I'm sorry, sorry. See, this is why you prepare. Um, <laughs> so I could, I could see Nebraska winning this game. I predicted Nebraska to win this game because they're just you so fired your coach. Good. You fired your coach, but are they not good because of the whole like feeling and mood inside the program? Because your coach is like. On borrow time, they've got now like twelve got, transfers though. Like they've Mickey got a, Joseph. Mickey Joseph comes in; he's an alum. A lot of yeah. these guys that came in, like, chose to come play there recently. True. Now I get that. Um, so I don't know. Like I don't know. It could be a Gary Patterson situation, but that was also like that was so like where coach gets fired and. You play a rival, everybody's like excited, and but there was so much, there was a different emotion. There was like a sadness around the Gary Patterson thing within that program, and it was almost like they wanted to make him proud by beating us. That's not gonna, but it's almost like it's the other way around. Where the only way I see that Nebraska winning this football game is it's in Lincoln and. Venables just doesn't have these guys ready to go in a real road environment. And Nebraska's fired up because Frost is gone and they're playing Oklahoma and the no, players on the team. Anybody. We don't really know how good Oklahoma is. They played a couple of right. duds to start. But like if, if the Nebraska players are just at that point where they're going, we want to win this game because we hate Scott Frost and we want him to be embarrassed. 
and prove yeah. a point. That's the only way I see Nebraska winning this game. That's that's my my theory is it was such a shadow. He cast such a shadow and just brought everything down in the program that with that being excommunicated from from the program, you're gonna have a new energy about you. There and will be a new energy. Mickey Joseph, I know he's a longtime assistant at LSU. Um he's he can energize and and motivate those guys. So there's a chance. Now they're eleven and a half point dogs, home dogs. Um just betting, just going on like the line, I would I would still probably take um Nebraska to cover. You're taking Nebraska to cover, but Oklahoma to win? You know what? I think Nebraska's gonna win this game. Oh, you're going all in. I'm taking Oklahoma to cover. Do you think Oklahoma wins by over 11 and a half? Yeah, I think this game's like 42 to 14. Okay. I think we've got I new think- energy coming in. I think it's going to be one of – the talking point is going to be how bad Nebraska is and their coach and everything. And But I think that uh, you're going to get a little bit of new energy, weight lifted off these players' shoulders, play more free – beat a old rival at home. I just, I, I think that I think a big, I don't know. I have this vibe about frost that he just didn't do a great job at everything there. And so I feel like he will have left things in a state of disarray that it didn't matter who comes in next and the energy that they bring, that it's just going to be chaotic. And I think, I think that they'll just be out of sorts too. And it's going to be a high emotion game and you kind of mix the um, changing of the guard, the distraction that exists, especially early in the year here um, in, in a rivalry game. I think it could be a recipe for disaster and they just get absolutely torched. And a lot of it for me is like, I just I don't trust Oklahoma yet because I don't know. And that's fair. And just, there's not enough. Just based if on you are play, correct, so. I won't be upset. If you're if you're right, I won't be upset. All right, next up, Matt, we have uh, a game we just mentioned. Uh, Towson heading to Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, there is not a line on this game, <laughs> and you'd think it's a given, but I don't know. Towson's two and zero, and West Virginia's zero and two. Um, Towson has beaten Bucknell on the road fourteen to thirteen, and they beat Morgan and- State. 29 to 21. They, they, yeah, they beat Bucknell in overtime. Okay. I There's no line in this, so it's just a straight-up pick on. I don't care about this game. West Virginia is not good, and uh, I don't know anything at all about Towson. So I'm just going to say West Virginia wins. West Virginia, but they better, like, destroy them. Don't, don't win this game 29 to 21. <laughs> I don't, don't know. It'd be funny. Don't, don't do it. I mean, they may fire him for that. If yeah, barely squeak out of FCS. Ooh, if they great. lost, if they lost to Towson, oh my God, there would they'd burn Morgantown down. Can there's no there's no way it could happen. I can't see that happening. You sound like sound like the Aggies. <laughs> All right, what's, what's the Aggies. next one? Okay, Ohio Bobcats travel to Ames, Iowa, to take on Iowa State. Uh, I was saying it's a 17 and a half point favorite. This 
is an ESPN Plus Big 12 now, whatever they call it, game. Um, I mean, this to me, this is Iowa State. I, 17's a lot. Ohio lost to Penn State, who I've watched play and is not great. And I think might even it just Penn State's probably comparable to slightly worse than Iowa State this year. Yeah. And they beat Ohio like 46 to 10. And they do not have a good offense at Penn State. I could probably see this going. I could see it by Iowa State's, you know, opening game, like a 42 to, you know, 17, 42 to 10 type of win for Iowa State. Yeah. I'm taking Iowa State to win and cover. Yeah, me too. Okay. Excellent. Uh, next up, we have uh, Tulane um, leaving the fun city of New Orleans and heading to Kansas State, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, this is at 2 p.m. on the Big 12 Network ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Kansas State, 15-point favorite in this one. Yeah, I mean, Tulane's 2-0. and They haven't played anybody very good. They beat, who they beat? UMass, 42-10. to and Alcorn State, 52 to nothing. So, I think... Kansas State just put it all over Missouri. Who's not good. It probably has better players than Tulane does. That's debatable. <laughs> but yeah, I'll take Kansas State to cover. Yeah, 15 points, I... I... I don't. I don't think I, I, mean, I. I worry about Kansas State winning, but especially yeah. at home, I could um, see this game being close at half, and then Kansas State pulling away, just because of the style of football they play, offense they play. Yeah, like it'll just be like a steady burn. They're gonna just grind them to grind them down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right, Joe. The uh, int- intriguing game. Uh, Kansas goes to your hometown to take on the Houston Cougars, another future conference game. Another Houston's all over the Big 12 this year. Um, and Houston is a 10-point favorite for the uh, 2-0 and Jayhawks coming in. 10-point favorite Houston and Kansas. If you had told me 10 last year that the Houston Cougars would be hosting the Kansas Jayhawks and would only be 10 point favorites. I would have laughed in your face because Houston's supposed to be pretty solid. Clayton tune. Everybody really likes him as a quarterback. There's most yeah. people have a lot of respect I, for Dana Holgerson. I, I don't, I'm leaning towards, we were wrong about Houston. The, all the off season, like talk during talking season, everyone collectively who, who watches college football may have kind of talked themselves just on, they won like 11 straight or something like that, 12 straight last year. And so you kind of talk to yourself like how they ended the season. It's going to carry over, but they get taken to overtime by, I mean, UTSA is a good team, but they, they lost a lot of their production from the previous year. And everyone thought me included Texas Tech was going to be way worse than what they've looked so far. That that was probably going to be a, um, a win for Houston. I predicted a win. I believe you predicted a Houston win. I did. Um, and they, again, another – had to went to overtime two weeks in a row. Houston had to to 
in a game. You know, they won one, they lost one. And Kansas is 2-0. Oh. They they put it on Tennessee Tech or whoever they played, their FCS game. And then they have a conference win. They beat West Virginia. So on the road in Morgantown. Game. Yeah, on the road in Morgantown, which ask any Baylor fan, um, don't know what that feels like. <laughs> I will say this. Um in defense of Houston is that they had to play both of their games on the road in tough environments. Like the Alamo dome when right now, when UTSA like cares, they don't, they don't put that many people in there, but it's still a dome and it still gets pretty loud. Um, yeah. If you ask Dana Holgerson, they pump in sound. Yeah. Yeah. Dana Holgerson accused him of pumping in fake, fake noise. Um, and then they went on the road to Lubbock and what was the first like real home game under Joey McGuire. And, and the Jones was rocking. They were excited. They, they were throwing beer on the on the field. They got warned by by uh by the PA announcers to stop throwing stuff on the field. Like they were going crazy. Um, it was like old Texas Tech again. Um, so Gross. not not the easiest beginning to the season for Houston. They'll be happy to be back home. Kansas, I know they won big against an FCS school to start the year, and then they just went in and and beat West Virginia in Morgantown, like we mentioned. I'm still not fully bought in on them. So I'm going to take Houston to cover this one and kind of like a comeback game where Kansas maybe probably isn't as good as everybody kind of is giving them credit for right now. And Houston's yeah. probably not as bad as people are acting. Yeah. Cause there, there's an argument to be made that they played a bad FCS team and maybe West Virginia is pretty bad. Yeah. So while Kansas is improved, you can just tell that from the way they play. Can't, yeah, no doubt. This, about this it. isn't to like bat, say Kansas is the worst team of all time. They are. This is clearly with Jalen Daniels a much better Kansas team than we've seen in years. Yes, I wouldn't say they're they're going to go to the bowl, right? But I could see them winning four to five games. Like that wouldn't yeah. that wouldn't blow me out of the water. Um, yeah, imagine if you took the two and a half over on Kansas win total for the year, and you're sitting at two right now. <laughs> Anyway, That's unbelievable. I, I think Houston's gonna Houston win this game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next on my list, Oklahoma State plays Arkansas Pine Bluff. No line. Um, this should be an easy, will be an easy win for Oklahoma State. Yeah, and he's a top ten team welcoming a SWAC team in. Um, Arkansas Pine Bluff has played Lane College. Um which I've never heard of and a school called North American who does not have a logo on ESPN's website. Um, they won, they beat North American 76 to three though. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's any issue with Oklahoma state covering this. It's what uh, yeah. uh, there's not even there's, a line. There's no right? line. It's just, yeah. So I think, so. yeah, no problem. Um, then I guess this is the next best game. You know, we have the, the big new kickoff game we talked about, I would think this one, Texas Tech at NC State. You know, NC State is a 10.5-point favorite. Um, the Red Raiders have to go to North Carolina. So I think this is where Texas Tech catches its first loss. I agree. Uh, NC State's a ten and a half point favorite. I don't think they win by that much. Uh, NC State, I think, is 
I don't think they're the number 16 team in the country where they're ranked right now. Um, they, they, they really struggled, struggled against East Carolina, uh, but they're at home. Should have lost that game actually. Yeah, they really should have, uh, but it's a true road game for Texas tech and what should be a pretty, pretty, pretty good environment for college football. Um, I think they'll lose outright, but still cover. I don't think, I don't think NC state by, wins by 11. All right. All right, Matt. And then the uh, last game of the night for the big 12, uh, before we go and talk about the everybody's favorite game, but yeah. uh, the last game on the Longhorn network, um, the university of Texas heads to Austin to play the university of Texas. It's just one of them is the university of Texas at San Antonio the other one is the University of Texas at Austin. Do you have a line for this one? Because I don't. I'm showing Texas favored by 11. Texas is favored by 11. Okay. I thought it was weird that I didn't have one. Yeah. Um, it's so weird that it's only there. I want to say I heard it was 10 earlier. So the line's probably pushed because people were betting that. But after Texas took Alabama to the wire, that UTSA is only getting 11 points. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a respect for UTSA and probably uh, Jeff Trailer. I wonder line. if there's the assumption that there's a, there's an inevitable down. emotional come down for, for Texas. Like they're so high off of we, it's so weird to say this, that they're so excited about almost beating Alabama that they're going to like come crashing back down to earth in this game. So that is, that's totally like the Texas thing to do. You have a moral victory in, in this loss that you, you you only lost by one point to, at the time, the number one team in the nation. Um, propels you to the top 25, and you're riding high on your rank now, and you, know, you went toe-to-toe with Alabama. It would be totally the Texas thing to do to lose to UTSA because, you know, their Jeff trailer, former Texas staffer was on on that coaching staff is locked in for this game. Yeah, I could, you know, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I am actually, I'll give you what my pick is. You may be surprised. I'm taking Texas to cover. I think there's a, and it, it could be recency bias, but there is a different feel about this Texas team. And maybe it's just that they got up because it was Alabama and they, and they won't get up for this. Um, well, that was your argument earlier. We talked about it. Right. That Texas gets up for these big games and then they play down. There's, I just have a different feeling about this team. I like seeing the stuff that B. John Robinson's doing in the community and buying like bought the whole team beats. Um, seeing how good, like it looked like Quinn Ewers had gotten after we had heard like some things about him, like that kind of made me believe that Sark maybe is developing guys a little bit more. So maybe Hudson Card's not going to be as bad as we expect him to be. Um, Xavier Worthy is that dude. He is, and no doubt. No doubt. They're second. You know, we 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 talked about how bad the the Alabama receivers are, but man, there's still guys that got recruited to play receiver at Alabama. And the Texas secondary did not have any issue with them at all. Um, they seem to have some really good defensive play calling, um, timed their blitz as well, I thought. Uh, did a 
good enough job stopping Alabama's run game, which over the years has been almost impossible to do. So I don't know, man, there's something about this Texas team that feels different. And um, they, it wouldn't surprise me if they, and at least in some degree have figured it out. And I could see, you know, all you're telling me is they have to win this game by 14. Yeah. I think, I think they win this game by two touchdowns, if not, if not more. And Texas actually may be more dangerous there this year than we expected. I think Texas wins, uh, but I think it's a close game. Okay. I think this is a lot like um, maybe the UTSA Houston game where maybe Texas kind of gets punched in the mouth a little bit to come out the gates. You know, USA, UTSA comes off, comes off strong and then it's just not sustainable down the stretch. And, you know, Texas wins by, you know, seven to 10 points. I could see that happening on the road. But I think it'll be different, DKR. Um, all right, Matt, take us to the take us to the the game of the week. Okay, the game, eleven a.m. kickoff. Texas State Bobcats travel to Waco to take on your Baylor Bears. Baylor, will we be watching Baylor. on uh, ESPN three while um, they they use uh, children volunteers to run the cameras and the studio? No, this is on FS1, so we're going to have... Okay, good. Presumably, you have a professional um, staff. Professional staff. cameraman. Also, this is in McLean Stadium, so yes. we want to... <laughs> oh, my God, that was so bad last year. Um, what is Baylor favored by in this game? Uh, right now, I'm showing on, on ESPN, it's showing 30. 30 points against the one-in-one Texas State Bobcats. Um they have lost to Nevada on the like road. Bad, like lost bad. Yes, thirty-eight to fourteen, and uh, did beat Florida International forty-one to twelve. Uh, so they're one and one. We are one and one. Our loss is a little bit different than theirs. Uh, we lost on the road at BYU, as you guys know, twenty-six to twenty, not thirty-eight to fourteen in Nevada. Uh, Thirty points is a lot. What do you think? What are you taking? Um. Of course, I'm going to take Baylor to win. Uh, Texas State is not good. They're, I mean, they're a bad team. <laughs> and um, considering what happened last week at Baylor to come home, this is going to be one of those games where they take care of business. Yeah, I th- I agree. This is a fire. This is a fire in your belly. Get right game before you have to go. Uh, I mean, a conference play. Vegas has it at 30. I think it opened at like 33 and a half or 32 and a half, something like that. Um, that is a big number, you know, because I could see Baylor win, you know, could Baylor win by 28, and it, you know, they didn't cover. Um, but FBI has it, Baylor is a 96, or let's just call it a 97% chance to win this game. So pretty much everyone's on Baylor to win big. And I just think that that's the, uh, Prevailing wisdom is Baylor's going to come out and, and have a big win against a, a lesser opponent. I agree. I think I think Baylor covers this. Um, I think they go out there, win big. Um, there's some things that they have to get right on offense, and I think they're going to. This is going to be the game where they work through that and yeah, and figure this, some things out. This is the game where okay, we're going to work on our deep passing game. Um, not not still everything because you do have a big game you know, the following week, you don't want to show everything. I don't think, but enough to where we're going to take some shots and kind of 
try to get that timing down and all that stuff. And you're probably going to see, I mean, have to, we, what we forget, and we probably should have mentioned this when we talked about BYU, is that Blake Shapin didn't play all of Albany game. He played like a half, basically. And then, you know, then he had to play BYU a week later. So I think you're going to see a little bit Blake Shapin, regardless of the score, you're going to have a little bit longer in the game. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's gonna he's going to get some some reps. I think I think yeah. he'll play he'll play three quarters for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I, I mean we've talked plenty. Uh, that loss is still a bad taste in my mouth. I don't really have. I mean, is there really any in, anything in depth you think you'll see in this one? I think I don't think it's that exciting. Um, no. As you mentioned, it's it's not a good Texas State team. So I think this is get reps with your starters. Get some timing down. Stay healthy. That's yeah. that's my. I think that's my biggest thing in this game is like just play. You know, play hard, but stay healthy. Yeah. And I think that you would have to tell Shapen, you know, don't take unnecessary hits, um, things of that nature. To you know, it's on the quarterback side, but all, but you're right. Everyone needs to stay healthy. But like you mentioned, there's a couple of players that are banged up right now. So I would maybe even hold them out of this game completely, regardless of if they could play. Just so that they are uh, fully, you know, as much back as they can be for uh, Iowa State the following week when you start a um, Big Twelve play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. But I still think they'll cover this. Um, I think I don't. I don't think Texas State will score a whole bunch on us. Uh, and before we move on to non-football topics, um, anything else in this week outside of the Big Twelve? That um stands out to you. Any other games that you're looking at? I mean, I Maybe watched three? I watched as much football as I could. Um, I really focused on that Alabama Texas game. Um, I mean, I mean we, we, this we touched week, on like week we, three, like coming up. What? Oh, coming up. Yeah, I was looking yeah. backwards. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, which you've already touched on. It'll be interesting to see BYU-Oregon because I'm going to want yeah. BYU to just blow everybody out that they play this year. That's the one um, I'm looking at, BYU-Oregon. You know, Penn State-Auburn, uh, that'll be one because that'll kind of just define, like, is, you know, they're both 2 and Is Auburn actually bad? Is Penn State actually good? Um, yeah. I mean, that we talked about the Texas Tech-NC State. That's a, I think that's a, that's a, a good matchup, a good game. We and we mentioned earlier we got Miami at Texas A and M. Uh, that could either yeah. be like a get right game where Texas A and M is like, hey, last week is just a fluke. We kind of figured it out a little bit. Gets a big top fifteen win at home, or it's, hey, the sky is falling in College Station because now we're one and two to start the year. Vegas has A and M favored by five and a half. That'll be it'll be interesting. Like, can Texas A and M score? You know they. Their defense is legit, but can they score? They, I mean, they're the Texas version of Iowa at this point. So Vegas has them at five and a half point favorite. Uh, FPI predictor has Miami 53.6% chance to win. It'll be interesting to see this game when S&P plus or SP plus, yeah. sorry, yeah. comes out. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I want to see what uh, what those numbers look like. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, Michigan State-Washington, 
They're two and both two and teams. I mean, that should be a, that could be interesting, but really it's not even like we talked about in the big 12, but I think overall in college football, it's not a great week. It's not the worst. It's not week. It's not like week zero. No. I mean, you have some, you know, starting some teams are starting conference play. You have Georgia, South Carolina, which also could be interesting. Um, I don't know how interesting it's going to be. Georgia's favored by like 25. Yeah, you got, I mean, there's Michigan, Washington, or yeah. Michigan State, Washington. Um, you, yeah, I mean, Penn State. There's Auburn. stuff to watch. Yeah. But yeah, the best I, I'm, thing, most, I'm most interested in the Baylor game. <laughs> yeah. Being honest, that's the one I'm most interested in this week. And the best thing about it is uh, it's 11 a.m. kickoff, which is uh, the best kickoff time. Yeah, you and I both, you and I both thoroughly enjoy 11 a.m. kickoffs. Yeah, I, I enjoy them because we get through the Baylor game early. And then you have the rest of kind of the day to kick back. If, or like I say, if you travel to the game, you come to Waco from Houston, you have plenty of time to get back home for the night games. Without Well, not even just the night games, just to like live my life. Like yeah. when I come into town, I won't be there this weekend, but um, – like if Oklahoma State were 11 a.m. kick, I kind of hope that one's uh, it's going to be annoying because I, I I'm going to want it to not be because we have a 11 a.m. in Ames. So that would be three state 11 a.m. games. And I know everybody will just complain about that if it happens. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. When it's a game I'm going to, it's way easier for me to just say I'm going to get up at 530, leave my house at 6 a.m. to get there by nine so I can hang out with people on tailgate ahead of time. And then I'm out of there by two three at the latest so that gets me home in time to to feed my son and put him to bed even so yeah for sure um so yeah i'm a, i'm always a fan historically during the david randa era the baylor's done pretty well at 11 a.m we are we are a good 11 a.m team you know get up early play some football wrap that stuff up early afternoon yeah. And when you win, you just get to be happy for the rest of the day. It's great. Yeah. And if you, if you are going out to the game and you're going to tailgate, you know, get there early, but then you can always go and, you know, enjoy the afternoon tailgating and watch some football and with a, with a win under your belt. Hey, I have had some amazing tailgates with like breakfast burritos, um, a mimosa. Like there's, there's, there are plenty of fun ways to, to morning tailgate. So absolutely. Okay, Joe. Speaking let's, let's of give people enjoying things outside of football. Yes. House of the Dragon. Hot D. Hot D. Episode four. What were your thoughts? So everything, like all of the, the inference, uh, inferences I had last week were proven very incorrect. Um, I talked about, I talked about how I, I thought that uh, I didn't think Rhaenyra would be into men, and that there was there was nothing uh, very I, much I said, wrong, very much wrong in that. Point. Yeah, very much wrong, and um, I, I was very much wrong in the fact that I was like, oh yeah, I totally felt like her and and Kristen Cole had no like romantic chemistry or anything. <laughs> I was I was just so very wrong. I was so wrong, in fact, Matt, that. Um, after I watched that episode, 
I started doing like a bunch of reading on, I didn't actually read the fire and blood books, but I was like, all right, I got to go read like I need, multiple. I need the wick, like what's wiki of ice and fire. I need to yeah. The wiki this. of ice and fire. I just like read through like everybody's life story. And so I texted you today. I was like, I, I'm caught up. I know what happens to these characters. Um, because I was like, I cannot, I, I just, I couldn't stand how absolutely wrong that I was. Yeah, it's, that's one of those things where kind of like with the predecessor series, Game of Thrones, if you read the books, you kind of had a, you, you knew what happened in the books. Not that they do the same thing, which they didn't uh, on many occasions, but early on, you kind of knew what the, the main, like, plot points were um i think since fire and blood is it's not a novel so you're not reading a narrative it's 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 written very like a like a history book we've talked about this um so and the thing about fire and blood is it's told from different perspectives so you have like a maester writing like here's the account that was told to us by whoever this eyewitness was here but then you have this other person who's like a court jester type character named mushroom who's more like the tabloid type of here's the salacious side of the story so you have these in there a lot of times they can be conflicting um so it'd be interesting to see which side or which perspective is actually going to be portrayed on screen interesting okay because yeah well i I guess we can just kind of dive in so what happens? I mean, we, 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 so let's, yeah. Spoilers for episode four of house of the dragon. There we go. Also, um, for, uh, some fire and blood stuff. Um, so basically just to hit, since we talked about Rhaenyra to start off. So in the books, how it basically it breaks down is Rhaenyra has, you know, romantic feelings for Kristen Cole. So, Damon kind of doing the same thing. He seduces her in a sense, a way to teach her how to, you know, please him, please Kristen Cole, and then has her do things to him. And then in the book, I think if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I read it, that Kristen Cole kind of doesn't share those feelings. And he's also in the Kingsguard, which he's sworn to like celibacy, basically. That's not what happened in the show. No, what happens in the show, and and I think we'll get there. I mean, (laughs) we have like a very interesting start to this episode, too. Before we even get to the salacious pieces, as the word that used earlier. Yeah, we have Damon Damon returning to King's Landing after defeating the crab feeder and basically coming in and being like, yo, um, they named me the king over there i've got this like kind of makeshift crown but i don't want it you're my king uh here's the hammer of the crab feeder add it to the pile um seemingly he's a changed it's been yeah i think it's been now years it's been like four years or something like that and viserys is like bro i love you this is awesome thank you for coming back we're brothers this is amazing yeah. And and then they go to like this party immediately. All seems well where they're kind of like joking around until Rhaenyra walks up and there's like clearly a a vibe from Viserys where he's like, oh God, my daughter's here. I think he's he angry. wants nothing to do with her right now. 
Yeah, because earlier, remember, she's doing that. All those men are kind of having, I guess, proposals to her. She's somewhere. And she just up and leaves. Yeah, so she think it's like leaving a press conference. He's upset about that whole thing, everything he put together to try to get all these suitors to kind of make their, their pitch basically to her to, you know, marry. She just him. walks right out. And she's like, I'm done with this and, and leaves. Well, she's mad because one is too old and then the next one is very young. And the young yeah. one ends up uh, killing another man. Yeah. As they're leaving. As they're leaving, he just stabs a dude. Um, like a 13 year old stabs like a 19 year old. And it's just, I think the vibe I'm getting here is it's the um, inevitable like conflict that we're going to reach in this story. Um, and I think what they they keep trying to reiterate to us that there's like this pent up rage within the people because there's been no war. It's been 60 years of peace and they don't fight. And there's like this almost like desire to be like warrior like. I yeah, think is what kinda, they keep getting they, at. They kind of set that up in the in the, in the, the first tournament. Episode. Yeah, in the tournament. Yeah. Like, you know, the, all the bloodshed and like you have all this pin up aggression. Yeah. And, and the, I think you see that in this scene where the kid's just like, would you say to me, I'll stab you. Bye. Well, first of all, that, that older kid, you know, you shouldn't start nothing. Yeah. Start another won't be nothing. You yeah, know, that's true. He did. He did talk. He started, shit. He started talking shit. <laughs> and he's been talking like, shit. He's like, you want to go? We can go. I don't care. I'll stab you in the gut. So anyway, so we get, we get out of there. So we got this like vibe where like Viserys clearly isn't chill with Rhaenyra right now. Yeah. Damon's back. He's acting very suave. And then we also get this um, interaction between Rhaenyra and Alicent where you can like, where basically Rhaenyra is like, you know, my dad just wants to sell me off and I don't want to just be locked up in some castle to make babies for a guy. And she like immediately has to apologize because that's literally the life that Allison is living right now. Allison has such a rough episode. She, she really has. So there is a, as we move through this episode, we kind of see this like alternating look between Rhaenyra, who, as we'll talk about, she's off like having fun and experiencing the world and being out and doing things. And then they will flash between those events happening with her. She's doing things. That's for sure. She's doing things. And and then it flashed to Allison and she's like having to like tend to the wounds of the king. And then she's got a screaming baby and she's having to like figure that out. And she's doing that on her own. And then the moment she like lays down to go to sleep, somebody walks into her room and is like, hey, um, like the king needs you. And she even says, like, does he know, like, what time it is? And the maid's like, yeah, he's aware. <laughs> so she just says, like, get up. Ugh. That's just, a, just that it's scene. Just the worst. Yeah, just yeah that scene, too, because then they, they show, like, what she is, where it's, she's just, like, laying there in bed, and he's just kind of, like, and is, like, just humping on top of her away. Like, and the, she's the, the least dead, like, enjoyable. I was so bad for her. Um, but that's like what Allison's going like. She's literally a prisoner. Like she's got every, she wants for nothing, right? She, she lives in a castle. She's the queen. She's got yeah. riches and name and title, but she's, she's a prisoner in the castle whose job is to literally just take care of the king and his babies. Yeah. And Allison earlier in the episode, she says like, she doesn't seem she like didn't have any friends. 
she's you know she's not like Allison Hightower anymore. She's like the queen. It's like right. It's not being not a, a full person. You're just a title. Then, but on the other side of that mat is we get the look into Rhaenyra, who after uh, wow I said that really weird after um, coming back uh, to her her quarters for the evening finds a bag in her room that just has like a change of ratty clothes and what appears to be a map of her room that kind of gives her um, shows her where a secret door is. So she changes into these, these ratty clothes goes through the secret door that's in her room out the, you know, out the back and runs into Damon. He's also dressed in ratty clothes. Yes. They're in disguise. He's, he's, He's hooded and she is wearing a beanie. Because they, uh, lest they show off their um, telling Targaryen hair. Yeah. And they go to, I don't know what Flea this Bottom. area of town was. Yeah, Flea Bottom. But you have like uh, theatrical performances going on. Um, and Dude, it's, the, it looks like, it looks like Bourbon Street on yeah, like, it's exactly on, a, it. on a weird hot, like not, not even Mardi Gras, like a weird holiday on Bourbon Street. But it's like, but even more than that, he's trying to. At, at some point, you know, they're watching this, you know, performance, and she's like, "It doesn't." He, he, you know, he's kind of. They're like, watching an orgy. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm talking about like they're talking about like the 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 play part where they're kind of playing. Oh, oh, they, yeah, the 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 the, uh, the puppets. Yeah. And, you know, her this is before the order. <laughs> her character is getting, you know, kind of get the boot and everything like that. And he, you know, kind of tries to tell her, like, you have to, you know, it matters what the what your people think. And she's like, no, it doesn't. So she's kind of, you know, isolated and doesn't really get the plight or the, the understanding of like her, her common, the, the, you know, common people of King's Landing. Or the realm and how their opinion affects what the nobles do. Uh, yeah, I think there was part of that. I also, I, I don't know. I got the vibe throughout this whole little trip that they do was that it was less about let me instill some things of the common folk into you and more, and it was more like the I can show you the world magic carpet ride from Aladdin. Yeah, but I think Targaryen was, style. I want to ask you this. So in thinking about it, was this all like a setup by Damon for her to get ratted out? Okay, so let's get there. Um, Where we're going here is after they go to that play, they end up, he ends up taking her to a brothel. They watch like basically an orgy on a stage. And then the word they use is pleasure house, pleasure house. Okay. Um, and then he basically takes her into a back room, removes her beanie. And, purposefully, yes. Yes, purposefully removes her beanie, takes her into a room and basically start to have sex with her and stops. And then she wants to continue. He says, nah, he runs away. And then she goes and chases after him. Okay, stop here. So in your opinion, was this a performance issue? On Damon's part, or was it? I can't do this. Be for 
any sliver of like morality that I have left in me. Why he's the reason he stopped didn't go through with it. I think it's a mix of both. Like, I think one might be causing the other. Yeah. I, th- I think. Yeah. Because he does, he does after everything happens. So essentially what happens is a spy sees her, goes and tells Otto Hightower, Otto Hightower turns around and tells the king that she has slept with, uh, that everybody has seen her slept with, uh, sleep with her uncle Damon. We got to talk about that scene. Um, I think it's a very good, like Viserys episode. It is. Before we see that though, great work. She runs after Damon. Damon's gone. She doesn't like. She still goes and decides that she wants to get laid, and she ends up doing what? She seduces Kristen Cole, basically. Kristen Cole, and she takes off all of his armor. And one of my, uh, a guy that I love on Twitter, Oliver Stacks, said uh, he was like, "How bad do you want it if you're willing to take off a, a medieval knight's full armor?" <laughs> yeah, but also Kristen Cole, bruh, you know how long you had to like protest so like right. you can't blame Rhaenyra you could at He's, any point you could have stopped this please no don't stop yeah as I take <laughs> off your shoulder plate then your other shoulder plate then your other armor and they're like this is like 20 minutes of taking off armor <laughs> um so the, so Rhaenyra Kristen Cole they bang um but then yeah we, we get to the Viserys scene where Otto is telling him what happened this is like early the next day. This is, yeah, this is probably like what, 6 a.m. Yeah. And Otto's kind of being vague. You know, he has sources that told him that they saw Rhaenyra in the pleasure house. And um, Viserys is like, and so, like, it's it's not a problem that she's there. Right. That doesn't seem to be an issue. And then he goes on and kind of doesn't want to come out with it. And, he, and Viserys goes, Listen, you're in my bedchamber making accusations about my daughter. Let's not be plainly. Yeah, come on. What what are you trying to get at? And then he tells him, and he gets even more angry about you know you're respecting the honor of my daughter. And well, yeah, because the reason he doesn't even care that she was there, like her presence there, doesn't bother him. Like I don't care what she does; she can go out and party, whatever. Yeah, it's that if she was seen having sex with somebody then it would lower her value in yes. marriage. That is the only reason he cares. Yes, absolutely. And to Renera's credit, or not credit, but on her side, like she, those are all lies. She was there. She was doing things. She did not have intercourse there. Correct. No one was, no one was in her room. Except her and Kristen. So that's not what they're talking about. Like they're making assumptions based on what was seen before Damon like stormed off. Correct. Now they did make out. They did, they did start to out. take each other's clothing off. I mean, this Targaryen thing is cool. Um, but you're <laughs> correct. They did not actually have sex. And the the little child who kind of went to auto. You see him later, whenever you go back to Damon's, I guess, hungover, like still down in flea bottom. And it's his uh, former paramour confidant mistress, mistress, um, who's that's where he's at. 
And that boy comes in and gives her whatever, I guess, money that Otto paid him for information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so is this definitely... a setup by Damon using these people who he has a relationship with, previous relationship? No, I, I don't think so, because to get that information back to the king, I think I think I think they are spies for Otto. Because I think that's probably also how Otto had information on Damon in earlier episodes. Yeah, because she was and there I think, when he made that. And I think that's how Otto found out um, that Damon called uh, the baby an heir for a day. Like, I think she works for Otto and Damon okay. doesn't know that. That makes sense. Um, the reason I, I went the other way with it was because when, when you see Viserys confront Damon, <clears throat> it gets to the point where he's talking about Rhaenyra's honor and everything like that. And Damon says, let, you know, let me marry her then, you know, yeah. we'll purify the Targaryen line basically is what he's saying, you know, bring the Targaryen name back to glory, all that stuff. So that's why I was thinking, well, was this all like a setup? Because this was his goal, was to get to the point to where he kind of, it does kind of lose, she loses her quote-unquote value as far as getting her married off. But I'll tell you what I interpreted from this episode as a whole. For Damon to move in there and do what he wants to do. Because he just wants to be there. I don't think so at all. I, I think, and I think they gave us pieces of it throughout the episode. Because as we talked about, Damon's been gone for four years, right? Roughly four years since he's seen Rhaenyra. She was roughly 13, 14 the last time he saw her. She is 17, 18 now. Yeah. He comes back and she kind of immediately sees him and is like, oh. But he also sees her because she said when they're speaking to each other earlier in the episode, he talks about uh, she talks about how much she feels like that he's matured. And he says, like, basically, I I've noticed how much you've matured. Like he was like, oh, yeah. and I think um, he saw that she was kind of feeling lonely. And I think he saw that she was longing for um, companionship and probably having a little fun and said, I'm going to take her out. I'm going to show her a good time and yeah. we're going to bang. And then I think he got to the point of doing what he I think his end goal was to sleep with her. And when he got to the point, for whatever reason, he was like, whether it was performance or his own decision, I don't know, um, but didn't follow through on it and took off. And I think now he's kind of he wakes up and he's like, you know what? No, like, I dig that chick. Let me marry her. I think I think that was like a off the cuff request. So, yeah. So I think if you you're absolutely right, whenever he arrives, you can tell like she is like she's into her, her uncle. Right. Yeah. Immediately. She's like, oh. And she's, you know, she see like she's kind of holding that necklace he gave her in, in episode one. Right. And later on, when they have that conversation, she's talking about living in solitude and she doesn't need a man and all that stuff. You know, kind of just reiterating what she had already told Allison. He's like, you know, don't don't, you know, miss out on life. You know, the best parts of life, basically. And I think she there's a a sense that they've instilled that she's. She has an attractive attraction towards um, like warrior men. Like she, she really likes Kristen Cole. And the reason that she picked him was because he had actual combat experience. And she's like yeah. clearly attracted to that. Now you've got Damon coming back and he just literally fought a war and won it. He's got a fresh so cut. Like, 
powerful men she's clearly attracted to. So like the uh, the the 13-year-old that tried to quarter at the beginning of the episode probably didn't have a shot, even though he did stab a dude. Yeah. Um, plus, Damon's got a fresh cut, man. And he also has a dark sister. Cool name for a sword. Yeah, speaking of, like, I found it offensive that Viserys is basically using, he has an ancestral sword called Blackfire. It's basically a walking cane. And this is a Valerian steel sword that you're just using to hold yourself up. <laughs> I mean, show a little respect, Viserys. I, I did notice that. And I was like, oh my God, you're going to blunt the point of that sword. But uh, yeah, overall, great episode. Now, uh, don't forget about some of the important stuff that we, because somebody loses their job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget. So this is, let's rewind. So after all this, and Allison kind of, you know, takes up, after they she has a conversation with Renera, Renera does some, some horrible lying and like swears on her dead mother that she didn't have uh Premarital sex, which is a, a lie. Absolutely not true. Um, they she kind of goes to bat for her with Viserys and says that she believes her as far as what she her side of the story. And so Viserys, yeah, but Viserys doesn't really care. That's the thing, it, and that's what we find out. It doesn't matter what she did. It matters the perception of yeah. what she did. And I don't. And it, nobody it, gets that it until kind he of, like. Like Allison doesn't get that at all. This actually, it kind of works in Viserys's favor because now he can go in and say, "You're going to marry," right? Lana. Because she comes in and Valerian. You know, he tells her like, "You're my political problem," and yes. like you're going to get married and you're going to marry this kid because it's the right thing to do, and we just need to like. And and she says, "All right, I will do it. But- I will marry." I will marry Corliss Valerian's son. I will unite those two families. It is the correct political move. Fine. I'll do it. But you got to fire Otto. Because at the very least, he has people spying on me. Right. At the very least, he was looking around for me. And his grandson has a claim to the throne that you have given me. And he clearly is interested in that. You got to fire him. And the king says, okay. And Viserys probably he had have already been seeing this, you know, because he's he's kind of Damon kind of said the same thing. Episode one, you know, he said he's a you know second son. His only ambition is, you know, to take whatever power he can get, basically. And so this kind of just leads more to like those seeds have already been planted in Viserys's head that Otto is out for his own well being, not the realm, not the crown but what he can do to better himself what's interesting to me about Otto Hightower is all of the things about him are like he is working in his own interest right he's doing everything he can to get his his family his grandson his bloodline on the throne what's different about Otto Hightower than like a Peter Baelish from the Game of Thrones series is I feel like he doesn't do it because he wants it or it's a thing for him I think he just legitimately believes it's what's best for the realm. Like the thing that benefits me, like it's one of those things where it's like, look, I think this is the best thing for the realm. And it just so happens to also be the best thing for me. 
And I think that's what he believes. That having his grandson be on the throne instead of Rhaenyra, that that will be um, what will work best for everybody. Because essentially what he believes is that if you have a woman who takes the throne, becomes queen, there's just going to be immediate civil war. Nobody's going to accept that. Um, and that the best course of action for the king to do is to name his grandson, Aegon Targaryen, um, son of Alicent, the heir to the throne. And that it'll be a peaceful transition of power when the king dies and everybody will be okay. And I don't know if he's wrong. Well, he's out of a job. So the king he is. He, removes... Who is, who is going to... So here, like... I read a lot of high level stuff. I know the, the the story points, but I don't know this. So if you know the answer, then tell then don't tell me. But I don't know if it's laid out in the book. I'm curious to see who replaces him as hand. So like there's only really and now this is just based on what the show has told us. There's only really one person that I could see that would take that um role, and that would be Lionel Strong. He's the only one that's kind of giving him good advice. Why not Rhaenyra? Uh, well, I mean, she's getting married off. She's going to be in to the Valerian, so that's true. She's not going to be in King's Landing, presumably. Definitely not Damon. Definitely not Damon. And there's no one else that has the show is nothing that we've seen in the show would lead you to believe anyone else would be, except for what about Corliss Valerian? Perhaps. As like a, a final show of good faith. Like you you get to marry my daughter and I'll make you hand of the king. Perhaps. Um, I think it's either Corliss or Lionel because he's the only one that on that hunting episode whenever he thought he was going to propose like his son Mary. Right. Mary, he he's proposed, the one that said. He proposed the smart match. Yeah. So he's the only one. That's the match that they will be following through with now. Yeah, absolutely. So. But it could be Corliss as well. I mean, that, that's what I'm most interested to see what happens, um, I think. Though I don't know what the time jump will be for the next episode. This this episode was one of the shortest time jumps because it was probably only, what, six months or so? Because um, Alicent isn't pregnant anymore and she, she has the baby, but the baby's still like a baby baby. Yeah. So, so I, I was guessing like probably... Six or seven months. I think you'll see a shorter one because, you know, presumably you're going to show like the whole wedding portion. That could take, I could see something like that taking like a year though. Yeah. But I mean, still a shorter one. You're not going to see like a three year time jump. Like between right. two okay. and three, it was like a three year difference. That's true. We had a huge jump between two and three. Now in the future, I think you were going to see like a massive jump. Right. We have different actors and actresses coming. Yeah. In. Yeah. So, but I think the first half of the show is going to be with these characters, the the young ones. Um, I was listening to the Oysters, Clams, Cockles podcast earlier today, which they're a, they're a Game of Thrones podcast, and I think they said on there that um, it was they were expecting episode six to be when the the new like the the yeah. older cast comes in. So they they kind of think we get one more episode with the current yeah. cast. So yeah, so that's what I think. Like this next one is episode five. So that's maybe the last one with the younger characters or younger actors playing uh, Rainier and Allison before you get that time jump for episode six. Yeah. I have heard from other like reviewers and things like that, that 
the um like they got the first six episodes for like screeners. How many seasons do you think they're gonna take? I don't know. I mean, because it all depends on this like, story is finished. Like if you're yeah, if you're just like if if we're saying that like Rhaenyra is the central character of the story, let's say. Like we like there is a story that happens to her life. Yeah, but it, it, the the character won't be like go, Game of Thrones where they don't know the ending. Yeah, no, we know what happens, but also like there's a lot of like it lasts a long time because there's like these these characters that are like like yeah, they said, move around the chessboard the, a lot. The babies now grow up and they have major roles in the whole conflict. Right, children that aren't born yet have major roles in the conflict. So. <laughs> So, yeah, so, I mean, I could see him going to a point to where, because you know they're going to be a time jump, um, and they've already cast, like, older characters for, like, Aegon, which is Allison's son. And so, you know, you're going to have these older, you know, early 20s characters or actors playing these characters. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how far we get in season one how many years we go and how long this will be dragged out. And they could also do this, the whole fire and blood story part. Cause that's only like a few chapters in the whole book. Yeah. I mean, I, you could go I guess back. You probably could pull it off doing the do whole like thing. A, you would have to do some big time and jumping though. But yeah. I mean, it almost be like an anthology series to where like, this was the story because it's called the house of the dragon. So you could go back to Aegon's conquest and show like the whole, like, Founding of the Targaryen this is, dynasty. It's like the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could go up in time, you know? So there is some leeway because the fire and blood is like a Targaryen history from Aegon's yeah, This is, this is the book of uh, like, you know, like the book of Boba Fett. This is the book of, uh, this is the book yeah. of Targaryen or the, yeah. the book of Rhaenyra. For sure. For sure. Have you started watching, uh, I, I think you got anything else on Game of Thrones or on Hot no, yeah, that's it. That's all I got for that. Have you started watching Rings of Power yet? No, I haven't got to that yet. Uh, lazy. I know it's so good. Like, you're gonna, thing? you know what? You're not, you're not missing out, like because it's coming out weekly, and it's not a thing that everybody's talking about right now. So you're not missing out on like a key pop pop culture thing. And then when you get to it, you're gonna be able to watch a ton of episodes all at once. You get to binge it a little bit. So it's probably not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, um, and I've heard it looks amazing. Yeah, but it's not like like House of the Dragon. Like it's from, two different things from the jump. Like, do not compare them. Yeah, but it's hard not to because you have these like high fantasy stories. Game of going Thrones on is not high fantasy. <laughs> it's political intrigue and True. like well, they do have dragons and, and nudity, like. It is in a high fantasy setting, but it is definitely not a like a true high fantasy show. Like it's it's closer to House of Cards than it is to Lord of the Rings. True. Um, it's just it's in a high fantasy setting. It is great. I'm not criticizing it, but yeah, Rings of Power. It's Rings of Power is much slower. And I mean, that's the Lord of the Rings universe. It is a. Uh, it's like it's a grander universe with long drawn out epic tales, not um, not kind of just these like shorter periods of time that are written about 
like medieval history books, you know, Lord of the Rings, you're talking about thousands and thousands of years of, you know, a, a completely created world by Tolkien. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll nerd out about it, like, like about it all day, but it's much slower. I've said all that to say it's much, it's a much slower show, but it is um, not any worse. It is still a very good story so far. Um, very strong character development. And yes, the money that they are spending to make this show, it is absolutely stunning um, to watch uh, from everything involved. And the acting is great. The camera work is great. The makeup is otherworldly. Um, the CGI is awesome. It's beautiful. So highly, highly recommend Rings of Power. Yeah, definitely want to check it out. Just haven't. Have you are yeah, are you yeah. a Tolkien guy? Like, are you like as into Tolkien as like uh, Star Wars? No, I wouldn't say as as much. No, I was, you know, of course I read it, you know, the Lord of the Rings, um, and I was really super into the movies when they came out, saw all the films, but it, I wasn't like a, a you know like super fan. So it's on the level of like Star Wars for me, where okay. I will I will have days where I will just get on YouTube and I'll watch people that are more nerdy than me explain to me all the nerdiness of Middle Earth. So, well, I have done that. I've gotten on like um, what's it called, Civilization X. There's a YouTube channel that kind of do these like in depth. Here's the history. It's a 30 minute video about. Oh, see, I'll watch like 30 minute first, videos about the like, first age of Middle Earth or whatever. I'll watch and, like what was Gandalf doing for like this tiny little period of time. Here's 28 minutes on it. <laughs> but then you, you lose me when it's like, whenever you're like, I've heard, I have seen some like critical videos where like, this is not what Sauron would have looked like. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm out. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. There has been a, I don't uh, care that much there's been about an uproar it. around the show where we've seen a lot of like the racist side of nerd culture come out. Because there are there are black elves and and black um, harfoots, which are eventually hobbits, um, and black dwarves, and it's so weird to me. It's like we're do you oh. you're talking about care like first off, you're talking about things that like in a fantasy world these things don't exist. They can be I'm any the color. Same way. I've heard the same thing about like Corlys Velaryon and his whole yeah. family. The same thing. You're like, bro, they're they're dragons. It's, it's like, and even if it wasn't like, even if we were sitting here saying that this is like, this isn't a real uh, place. Like even again, even if it was like, even if like, this is a reenactment of something that happened in a real point in history, who cares? <laughs> it's yeah. it, they're actors playing a part. It does not matter. Yeah. That's, that's stupid to me. It's same it's thing. Big. They talk about like, um, you've had, you know, I guess there's a section of people who are, they criticize anything they view as quote unquote like woke, right? And so, like Rhaenyra being a strong female character, you know, they're out there saying, criticizing all this about the patriarchy and how she would have done this. And first of all, like we you can go back to, it's not a real place. This is all made up. But secondly, where I didn't there was there wasn't this uproar with when Arya did the same thing. In season one, so it's, it's a, it, I mean, she. There's a whole conversation where Ned says, "You know, you'll marry a." Lord. Nobody was watching like, season one. That's probably part of and, it. And <laughs> and she says, "That's not me," you know. And 
anyway, it's just that it's a it's a common or I guess I should say it's a more of a current criticism of media that anything that you don't like, especially if you're lean to one particular side politically, you call it woke, it's woke or communist or socialist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pushing an agenda and all this. So Disney I just, is going to hell. I just kind of uh, tune all that out. Yeah, we talked about with Stranger Things with Peter, like the satanic panic. And I feel like we're getting, we get like mini bits of that right now in a way. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Everything is like woke. No matter what it was. I was like, whatever. What else are you watching? Um, other than college football. Right. Well, I'm still watching She Hulk. I'm still in on that. I haven't started She-Hulk yet. I haven't. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think I have the energy for a uh, for a Marvel show right now. I have. I have. I have strong Marvel fatigue. I'm not it's gonna lie. Good. Have, did you watch? I didn't watch Ms. Marvel. I didn't watch. Um, also very good. I'm very. There's another one I didn't watch. I. I, uh, I haven't started She-Hulk yet, and it's, it's like I just. I didn't like, um, Doctor Strange. And everybody I talked to did like it. And so I feel like I just have, and then I've just had no desire to watch Marvel shows. So I feel like I just have a little bit of Marvel fatigue. I need to just yeah. step back from Marvel for a little while. I have been watching uh, We Are Wrexham on okay. FX yeah. on Hulu, which definitely recommend watching. Yeah, that and I'm definitely looking forward to Andor. I think Oh, Andor is big. In a few weeks. Yeah. Like the three ads episodes. are starting to come out for it. Yeah. And it's like a three episode premiere. Because there's like 12 episodes, I think. Rings of Power should have done that. Rings of Power should have done the the new Disney model of releasing two or three episodes at once. Because Did they do, didn't they do two? No, they did one. Oh, really? I'm just I'm just weeks behind. It just it just comes out every Friday now. Okay. All right. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I can't. I don't think I can get Star Wars fatigue. Yeah, there, there's for me, there will never be enough Star Wars or Lord of the Rings content, so, except yeah. for the Hobbit movies. Those were just absolute garbage. Didn't watch them. Um, so yeah, that's it. I'm watching college football and about to watch Star Wars. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, man, that's a good place to be. Well, Joe, we're we're pushing up again against like two hours here. We started late, so we're not quite at two hours. Okay. But yeah, we're definitely like an hour 40, probably. Okay. Um, anything else for you? No, man. Just uh, excited about Texas State this weekend. Uh, Sickum Bears, time to time to get one back in that win column again. Well, tell people where they can find you if they want to reach out and interact with you online. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, you can also find me... Uh, writing stuff on ourdailybears.com and look out for us on Twitter. We'll probably drop a link for another watch party for Texas state for anybody that's not going to be able to make it to the game. Um, similar like we did this past weekend. So feel free to check us out there, Matt, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter at Matt underscore workman. Um, as always, you can find the podcast on the bearedinpod.com and you can also find it on anywhere you normally would get your podcast so we're that's where we're at equal and opportunity the, uh, listeners yeah and also the uh the bear Den pod or at the bear Den pod on twitter all right matt until next time sick and bears until next time joe sick and bears
Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.